This is White Sampy Noise Podcast, a show by and for those who love noise and those who make it. My name is Oscar Brummel. If you like what I do here, please support at patreon.com slash white noise. You can also go to www.whitecentipenoise.com to see the full White Sampy Noise catalog and mail order. Shipping internationally, based in EU. <laughs> Today, my guest is a very interesting and vital member of the Noise Underground, hailing from France. Please welcome Remy of Violent Shogun. Hello. Hi, Remy. Thank you for meeting me. Hello, Oscar. You're welcome. My pleasure. Super to talk to you. Um, so, uh, jumping right in as we do, um, I know you kind of come from uh, a punk background. You've, you've, yeah. you've told me about this a bit. Tell me a little bit about that, but then also tell me what was your gateway to the world of noise and and that kind of transition into that world? Um, so actually, yeah, I've been really into like punk and metal since I was very, very young. Uh, like, I don't know, the first CD I got was an ACDC CD when I was five years old, so mm -hmm. from my, my uncle, so... Um, and then led to getting into punk during, like, when I was in middle school um, with, like, you know, um, my friends' bigger brothers and stuff. Uh, so whenever I would go to their place, I would just, like, swap a tape in their, uh, like, stereo and record whatever was in and bring it back home. So I had, like, tons of tapes of tons of punk stuff and metal stuff. And when I was about 15, 16, I started going to gigs um, in Bordeaux. So... Well, I come from a deep rural countryside in the deep southwest, like an hour mm -hmm. away from Spain. And Bordeaux was like two hours, two hours and a half away from where I'm from. And uh, that was the place where, say, the punk gigs happen and international events would come and stuff like that. Very, well, I, I would go to DIY gigs mostly, like um, in an old anarchist library uh, that's been around for like 70 years or something like that. And um, so we would go with a friend, uh, see some gigs and got to meet some people who were a bit older than I am, like, say, between five and ten years older and so. Mm -hmm. So um, they introduced me to lots of new music through mixtapes, through gigs through and through their bands as well. Um, and eventually... When I was 20, I, um, I moved to Bordeaux for like for two or three years. I attended a lot of gigs as well, still hang out with my friends. And one of them made me, well, which is actually uh, Olivier from the other half of Trois-Divin, who was the singer mm -hmm. in Gas Mass Terror, which was the biggest DIY punk band in France uh, for the last, well, since the early 2000. And um, he made me a mixtape with like tons of, uh, power electronics and well, power electronic stuff 
and like stuff like condom, uh, well, there was throbbing gristle, uh, stuff like that. And um, so I always loved synth anyway, because my parents would listen to lots of music with them, like from, mm -hmm. say, Depe like the old Depeche Mode records and Genesis, like mm -hmm. either the 70s period or the 80s period. So I still yeah. love those bands and stuff. So I was always mm -hmm. intrigued by them, um, by, by that stuff. And um, Power of Electronics made me realize you could actually make some proper, like, aggressive sounds with them. Although, when I was a kid, I had like a toy synth and some Fisher-Price uh, karaoke radio. And I would just like play the, the synth while putting the microphone uh, in front of the speaker of the synth and made like terrible distorted noises. And I, I would love, I was, I mean, I loved that. My parents hated it, but I loved it. Yeah. And then it was like, yeah, actually I can do that, but like, you know, in not in a childish way and actually people listen yeah. to that. So that's, that's pretty cool. And yeah. um, with one of my punk bands then, we were practicing in, well, we began practicing in a like rotten basement because Bordeaux is a city with tons of, uh, it's an old port city, like was very famous during the slave trade. So all the right. city center is filled with basements everywhere. And that's where a lot of band practice and where a lot of gigs yeah. take place as well. So um, back then with one of the bands I was in, I was drumming for, we were practicing in the basement and there was like an old synth taking dust and rotting in like, you know, humidity somewhere. So I left a message on it, like, a, you're not like, hey, I'm interested, get, get in touch. I'm yeah. curious if you want to let it go. And it turns out actually, yeah, the person wanted to let, well, to give it away or sell it to me or something. And turns out we just traded that old synth for like two Thomann microphones. So, and then I started making noise with that stuff. And that's where, that's when Droit Divin began. And from then on, I got also introduced to like the deeper side of noise through power electronics. Although mm -hmm. I was also aware of all that stuff because of say, you know, like when most of the guys you interviewed said that they saw like relapse ads for like Merzbo and all that stuff. Yeah. And I would see the records as well, sometimes in some like, yeah, stores and everything and in distros and stuff. But yeah, I think I wasn't ready then, although yeah. I liked the aggressive music, but not that kind yet. And, um, you know, little by little, like playing in Droit Divin, going online and, and, you know, like realizing there were like message boards for that. I also had mm -hmm. friends in the US who were like heavy into noise core and trade mm -hmm. tapes a lot. And mm -hmm. you know, like say there's like a, a penis geyser split with Kazumoto Endo. So like, yeah. you know, like it kind of makes a gap from one scene to another and all those things yeah. together, like me loving Disclose or Confuse, which was really aggressive distortion all the time and stuff. Like it all came to, yeah, turns out noise yeah. is cool. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much how I, I got into it. And then reaching out to people, you know, like say you, you read about something, it seems interesting, you write to them, or you just yeah. buy tapes or to some trade or something, and you start chatting with them because it turns out they're nice people and you like, you know, regular essential like, and yeah, yeah. Um, oh, say, have you heard this? Do you like that? Oh, maybe yeah. you know this band, you know this project? and. And yeah, that's how I got into that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Do you do you think there's a 
a difference in the mindset in like the punk scene versus in the noise scene not not in terms of like political cliches or something like that but just kind of like attitude towards sound or art or, or things like that um i it it depends i think it depends because the punk scene is really i mean I, I, okay, my, my knowledge of the noise, the noise scene mostly comes from the internet because I'm quite isolated here doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. Although there's also like a big experimental scene, but it's mostly like, you know, like rock bands playing weird music, you know, and mm -hmm. experimental stuff. But um, I think the punk scene loves their, like, its codes, you know, like say, as soon as you stray away from like dress codes or music codes, it gets weird. And most people, I mean, I say a lot of people in that punk scene aren't open to too much experimentation. Whereas to me, it seems that noise comes from that and trying to push things further. And, yeah. and I mean, obviously, like making mu aggressive music, but trying to push things further. And yeah. I, I, can, I can see like a link between like the DIY aspects, you know, doing stuff yourself, like... Um, self-freezing your your music and and sometimes making your own instruments and you know like um the the level of like the underground network i think that's similar it works on the same level to me yeah but as far as maybe open-mindedness i'm not so sure it's, sure it's changing now it's been changing but um i remember when i got into that stuff and when i got well, when i got into punk I think it was more close-minded and sometimes like say when I play um, like say I played some gigs with Violent Children and stuff like in well punk gigs you know like say I'm mm -hmm. the opener or or I close the yeah. night or something and I can see that there are curious people but most people just stay outside because they don't care so it's true yeah whereas I'm not sure that say most people coming to punk gig they'd stay you know what I mean? Yeah. They're more yeah. cu uh, they're more curious, I guess. I don't know. Um, that's yeah. how I see it. I but I may be wrong, but in my small experience, you know, like personal experience, yeah. that's how I that's how I feel about it. Sure. Who were three people who were influential to you along your musical path? Not just necessarily only noise, but kind of the whole the whole journey to where you are now um okay so let's start since i was like very very was just once a toddler my parents they listened to lots of music lots of different stuff um i remember that you know well as i said um i mentioned depeche mode or genesis they listened to lots mm -hmm. of 70s rock so i grew up listening to like deep purple Jimi hendrix mm -hmm. let's Zeppelin, pink Floyd, and all those things uh, they also listened to jazz, so I remember like they them taking me to like free jazz concerts when I was like eight or nine and seeing like crazy stuff. Like I think my first blast beat I saw at a free jazz concert, which was amazing, and I was like yeah eight or nine. So um, and yeah, and then it was my friend's bigger brothers when I was in middle school, um, and so like that was for metal and punk mostly, although. As I was hearing new stuff, I was searching for more reading magazines and fanzines and trying to reach out to other people. And then when I got to Bordeaux, it was um, 
there was um, Olivier from Trois Divins, the other half of Trois Divins, um, who, well, taught me a lot about like noise and power electronics and industrial music in general. But for punk, it was, uh, well, I told you, Olivier was singing Gas Mass Terror, but for punk, it was mostly the drummer from Gas Mass Terror, who's like mm -hmm. an old timer, like he was tape trading in the 80s, and he's like on the Napan Def Scum fank list and stuff like that. So like he's an old, old guy, and he's got mm -hmm. like tons of stuff. So he made me mixtapes. Uh, he's very famous, like internationally for his mixtapes and, and stuff. And he made me like tons of mixtapes about very specific stuff like say 80s Japanese punk, um, 80s Spanish punk rock or uh, stuff like that, tons of things. And, and so I have a pretty extensive mixtape collection and that cool. was very influential. And then as I got further into noise, um, I'd say I was really influenced and inspired by um, Arthur Fleiss, Matthias Gustafsson. Mm -hmm. um, like I think uh, my first noise, like proper noise tapes that I ever bought were at our Flies tape back in 2008, maybe, something like mm -hmm. that, or a bit earlier. Mm -hmm. And so that had, a, like, he had a big, big impact on, on, on my music, especially as he left, like, proper noise to more tape stuff, like tape mm -hmm. music and tape loop music and stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah um, there was him, there was uh, Josh Peterson, mm -hmm. because um, we got into trading stuff and talking a lot. And like he's, he made me tons of tapes as well. He sent me tons of stuff. So uh, I listened to a lot of his music and yeah. Cool. Um, and lots of chatting as well. And Jonas from Ho as well, the, the Finnish project, yeah. who yeah. we did the same thing. Like I got in touch and got some tapes and we started trading and sending each other things and chatting a lot. And yeah, so I'd say, yeah, these people are very cool. influential for me. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And maybe, yeah, my noise score friends as well, because they know about st like noise stuff as well. Like first time I heard yeah. about, say, Hamitarash or Gary Gary Gegege was through them. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so what about Violent Shogun? Can you tell me about Violent Shogun, your, your approach to the project, what that is all about? And um, it's, it's, it's what I see as your main product. Is that accurate? You have quite a few also other projects going on. I don't yeah. want to call them side projects. You have quite a few different projects and also collaborations. But I, I see yeah. Violent Shogun as kind of like your your main thing. Is yeah, that, is I that guess true? So. Uh, I guess so. Um, I think it depends because I tend to, like, say when I'm not working or hanging out with my girlfriends and the cats and or eventually going to gigs, but that's not been too much of the case this last three years or so. Uh, I'm just, mm. like, hanging out here and making music. So I make music, yeah. like, almost every day. And I recall yeah. a lot of things, like a lot of things I throw away, a lot of things I, I keep. And depending on whether it fits kind of musically, maybe some themes I have because my projects are more about, sometimes they're about the techniques, but most of, most of the time they're about themes or moods, you know, um, uh, I, I just make music um, and, and use it for whatever project I think it suits the best. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I like, okay, I need to make an album for such project or tape for such project. And then I get into like 
more into the technique stuff and trying to sound to make something that sounds like the idea I have of that project. Yeah. But um, yeah, a violent shogun. Otherwise, it comes from um, me wanting to experiment with tape loops first, uh, and also from um, coming back from a trip to Japan and spending quite a bunch of time in like rural rural Japan as well. Like say, we mm. we stayed in Tokyo, but we also went to the deep countryside, like to to places. I think most tourists don't go because we have some friends out there. So, um, and, and being like coming back and being like, well, yeah, I always like Japan and I like the rural stuff because I come from the countryside as well. Yeah. And turns out at the same time, we also got like, a, my girlfriend and I bought a, like a record in cheap section during record fair here, like a traditional Japanese music record, which was, mm-hmm. Which was amazing, actually. It's like I don't know, totally random, standard Japanese music record, but we loved it. And yeah. I began sem- I began making loops of like the instrumental stuff on it. Mm. So, like trying to make tape loops with that stuff, messing with like a broken mi- mixer a friend gave me, and getting like more heavily into synth, and like trying yeah. to put that together, and that's where Vinyl comes from. Cool. I don't know if that answered that question, but yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I I I do hear a very eclectic sound to it. You know, releases yeah. are quite different from from each other. They're yeah. They each there are sound. There are things that, that 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 combine them for sure. That 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 make it cohesive. But it seems like you're often experimenting with new ideas or trying new things yeah. on each album. Is that accurate? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I think when I when I began like with Island Shogun, I wasn't too sure about what what else I wanted to do. Although I just knew I wanted to make noise and experiment with sounds and and learn and yeah, um, get create something and maybe get it out. Um, and eventually, I think that the vision became more focused, and while. I think, like, say, the harsher, no, harsher noise parts also belong to that project. I realized that maybe it wasn't totally suitable for that kind of mood I wanted to create with Island Shogun to go for like mm-hmm. the harsher stuff. Although mm-hmm. thematically, say, if I think about the um, um, taste of Japan, Ch- taste our Japanese steel tape, for instance, mm-hmm. which is like pure harsh noise, or yeah. uh, it also the um, knife will not open because of the rust tape, which is also yes. harsh noise. Like yeah. I had ideas about it, like that fit with the fact it's harsh noise. But yeah, yeah, um, I, I love experimenting with stuff. Anyway, it's like, it's an endless journey. So, uh, and as I said, I, I, I tend to like make music a lot at home and recall a lot of stuff and experiment a lot because yeah, that's yeah. what I do. and. Sometimes yeah. it fits, sometimes it doesn't. But when I think it fits, it fits. Yeah. And I do it because I can. Yeah. <laughs> and you and you use a lot of modular gear, right? You're you're quite involved in 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 modular synthesis and and on I a, do. And is that is it, you know I'm looking behind you and you, I see some yeah. modular stuff and I also see a, a wooden board there. So yeah, I I feel like you're kind of like approaching it from a pretty DIY. Yeah. Is that, uh, is that true? Yeah. Um, so the one right there, 
is like a Eurac, um, Eurac rig. Um, and the one here is uh, search for you modular synth. Um, so it's not, it's still modular synthesizers, but it's not the same approach. And I won't say the same sounds, although it's a bit subjective, but same mm -hmm. approach, well, the approach is different. Mm -hmm. So um, I use Eurac a lot, but I kind of grew out of it and got away from it because there's, um, there's that kind of patchwork attitude like say you get modules for lots of different um, makers and um, it didn't feel like a cohesive instrument to me. Although like even, even if I know what elements I need to create like say a synth voice mm. and get some sound like moving and, and you know, doing stuff, um, I didn't like the idea of using say one part from such maker, another part from another maker, another part from another maker, especially mm. since Eurorack, um, Sometimes the standards like for voltages and stuff don't always fit and mm -hmm. all modules don't work well together. Mm -hmm. So um, after a while, I went more like into um, kind of mono makers rigs, like say, uh, like I, I use five modules from the same maker, so I know it fits together and the philosophy behind them and the way they work like makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But um, still kind of got... I won't say bored with it, but didn't find what I was really looking for in it. Um, I know some people do, like say when you you interviewed um, Sam and and Mac, it mm -hmm. makes total sense. Like I know what they do, I know what they use, and know mm -hmm. how they use it pretty much, and it makes total sense for them, and it sounds great when they use it. But mm -hmm. for me, I didn't get what I was what I wanted with mm -hmm. Eurorack, so I eventually sold a lot of my my Eurac gear and got it to search stuff which is a different format yeah which you don't patch the same way because you use banana banana jacks so you mm -hmm. can stack them on top of each other and um the search like uh philosophy say well the modules are built in ways that say one module can have like lots of different functions say one module can be a vco an envelope generator a filter um like you can it depends on how you patch it mm -hmm. and when you patch all those things together it's like you come back to very basic functions of modular gear like say that's early 70s stuff i'm using you know mm -hmm. and and it's crazy creative so like you, you you're going back to like when they use test equipment to make that early electronic yeah. music you know so yeah. it works that way but when you put it together you can go like so far away and i yeah. think so far from what you can do with a lot of Eurac, especially a lot of current Eurac stuff, yeah. which is which sounds a lot to me like voices in a box. Mm -hmm. Instead of small elements, you patch together to mm -hmm. get like your own result. So I really like the, the search philosophy and I really like the sound because as you go to something much more like basic and, and I won't say pure, mm -hmm. it's like it feels like you're just like manipulating raw electricity power, you know? Mm. And and you can make you you can make it do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing too is that it's as it's a smaller use well, not well, there aren't as many users of search for or for you gear in general as mm -hmm. Eurorack, since it's sometimes it's a bit more expensive, but not always. Uh that's like a common mistake. But yeah. Um but it's pretty DIY format, so you can actually um you tend to build your modules a lot. Either you commission them 
how you build them. There are a few makers, but not many. And it's interesting to build your own stuff. So you know how it works. You know why it does this. You can actually mod it if you want. And there's a strong community about that. You know, like people exchanging ideas and tips and stuff. And yeah, so to me, it fits better. I don't want to do like, I don't want to make crazy sounds all the time. I think I'm more into like coming back to basic waves and oscillations and stuff like that. And search suits me better for that. Cool. Uh, That's interesting. Hey, everyone. I want to let you know about five new CDs that are now out on White Centipede Noise. Kakerlak, The Heat of the Hole, and Temporary and Successive Stages CD, a reissue of two of his earliest cassettes. Marinata Tarmac. Skin Graft, Final Judgment. Grain Belt, Midwestern Companion. This was a group between Wince, myself, Sam from Baculum and Phage Tapes, and Joe Barris from Small Doses. And Worth, Sacred Violence Noise, a CD version of the tape that came out last year on White Centipede Noise. Patreon supporters get the whole bundle for 45 euros with a code that's on this site. Also want to remind everyone, if you're a fan of the podcast, if you're watching regularly, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash white centipede noise. Not only do you support it when you do that and make it possible and show me that you value it and that I should keep going, you also get access to WCN TV content, which is in-depth bonus content relating to noise, noise genre, noise underground culture, and everything related. There are follow-up episodes with previous guests. There are album reviews. And uh, actually, just last week, we did the first uh, video meetup for Patreon supporters, which was super fun. I wasn't sure how it was going to be. It was basically a wild, open Zoom call with uh, about 50-50 guests, previous guests, and, uh, and supporters. And uh, we just chatted and sh- shot the shit for quite a while and it was quite funny and fun definitely going to do that regularly will probably become a monthly thing definitely something that i want to get pe- people more involved with it's a lot of fun so i really appreciate everyone who watches this i really appreciate everyone who gets involved with it that's what it's all about really it's about maintaining and fostering underground noise culture in a more modern way but outside of just the purely social media instagram superficial uh kind of symbolic communication that goes on so really i i i really hope anyone who's really into this genre either for a long time or is getting new to it or reintroduced to it gets involved again patreon.com slash white noise is how you can sign up for five years a month you get access to wcn tv you also get uh, discounts at the mail order plus lots of other stuff's going on there and we'll continue to go on. In August, once I clear up some things that are going on now and get some new equipment, I'm going to resume weekly podcast episodes as well as regular WCN TV content. So it's going to turn up. There's a lot of great interviews that are lined up. There are a lot of great interviews that have been recorded that are waiting to be published. There's a lot more to come. There's an endless there's an endless fountain of stuff coming so keep tuned and keep in touch thank you for your support and enjoy the rest of the episode
Tell me about your project, uh, Crypto Fascisma. Um, all right, so that one I began because this one is quite political. Um, it's a project in which I try to make releases about, say, all the things the French governments, the various French governments of the time, not didn't want us to know, but um, they made certain political things taboo, so you don't mm -hmm. talk about them. Mm -hmm. Like, um, first, the first tape I made, Milkodin, it was about, um, well, it wasn't the real wasn't the first tape, but there was something else before that, but it wasn't too, I wasn't too focused on what I wanted to do with crypto-fascism. But yeah, the first official, say, tape was about the French implication uh, in the Rwanda genocide, so mm -hmm. what the French government did. And the second and third tape, which were reissued by um, Dogmatics in Loutline, like with the yep. double tape recently, yep. these ones were about um, French nuclear tests in from the 60s, to the 90s in Algeria, when it was still a French colony, and even after, and in French Polynesia, which is still part, part of France. Um, so, yeah, and yeah, that's, that's, that's about it. And yeah. And what about the sonic element of it? It's, um, do you have certain influences that you were drawing from oh, for this? Um, at first, I wanted to make it. Uh, I wanted to make some music with uh, with a heavier use of synth. Cryptofascism was supposed to be something in which I'd used synth a lot more uh, than, say, with Violent Shogun, which was more tape focused. Yeah. Um, eventually, changed a bit, but um, I still use synth a lot more in in, in Cryptofascism than Violent Shogun. And regarding influences. Um, I guess it was more like my idea of what industrial music was, like say knowing names but not having heard the the, the, the albums or projects yeah. or stuff, you know, reading about them, yeah. um, and making my own mixture of what I thought it was, and and then I don't know, like um, I think Taylor from Absolute Exposition mm -hmm. and Screaming Wife told me that some. At some point, that it sounded like Joe Cody, but I, ha mm -hmm. I hadn't heard. I mean, I I I knew Crawl Unit and Joe Cody, but I hadn't listened to him before, so yeah. I didn't know. And yeah, it turns out like, yeah, there are like some sunny similarities, mm -hmm. but yeah. Um, so just my idea of industrial music, when I didn't know really what it sounded like, like the older stuff, and also uh, heavier use of tints. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I can really, really recommend both those, uh, well, the Mil Colin album, is yeah. that, does that exist beyond this, uh, the tape, or, or has that been reissued no. at all? No. No. Are there any no. plans for that? Because that's really fantastic. No. Powerful. No? Nobody asked. So, okay. I mean, if, if someone asks, I'll make, I'll make a tape for them. You know, if, you, if anyone gets in touch, I'll make a tape. But otherwise, yeah, no other plans for that. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the the double tape from Doglines and Out, Dogmatics and Outline is still is still around, it's still available. I'm pretty sure I have copies here still, and it's I highly recommend that for anyone listening, for a very um, powerful and unique take on you know political power electronics. Definitely very very good stuff. Thank you. So you mentioned you making tapes, and I've 
gotten things from you in the past that are very handmade and uh, very DIY and very craft focused. What is your philosophy regarding releasing and distributing your own music in physical formats and things like that? Um, my own philosophy is I don't want to deal with people, basically. <laughs> I want the music out, but I don't want to deal with people. But you have to find like the balance between that. Because By people, do you I, mean I, other labels? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, this like say if I have, like, if I get something dubbed like at a plant and have like say fifty tapes to promote and distribute and stuff, I'm I'm not good at that. Mm -hmm. uh, I I I don't know how to promote my own music and 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 it's difficult. Like uh, I, I'm not I'm not good at that at all, and I don't really like it to be honest. But on the other hand. I know some people that, like can be interested and I record stuff anyway so I can record it for myself and there's there are things I record for myself but I kind of want to have those things out there so um like on my bandcamp I'm telling people that if they're interested in anything they hear they can just like get in touch mm -hmm. and I'll dub them like the tape and make the cover and stuff mm -hmm. usually I like if I if I release something I I make like say I I print like thirty covers and 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 dub tapes when people ask yeah. and once the I run out of covers sometimes I don't find the the the, the original master cover anymore I don't know it's lost in yeah. my mess so I just make like a DIY handmade cover yeah. for that person and you know like I like using hand stamps I like cut and paste and stuff that comes from my punk background I guess. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. And like, if someone makes an effort to reach out to you, especially you know, like because of something you create, I think it's just like a, a nice gesture back to like give them something a bit personal. I always like those personal things, you know, like yeah. getting mixtapes made for me with yeah. like an artwork that only exists for my mixtape, or yeah. like you know, like when when I used to trade. Well, I still trade, but like when you read like people's letters asking you like. How are you doing? Have you heard this? What do you think of that? And here's yeah. my stuff. I think I wanted to make this, and some, and I wanted it to sound like that. And so, that's that's really cool. I like I like the suspect of the underground network a lot. I mean, that's what, um, to me, that's what differences what we do to, you know, like the music business, right. which I'm not interested in, right. because I don't want it to be like some kind of job. I just want to yeah. make music, meet people, eventually play some gigs, and and you know like not feel stressed out about it yeah and so diy making my own releases is um very important for me although i do appreciate that for something that i think might deserve like a bigger like bigger release or like more copies yeah. like a label a label yeah. wants to do it so yeah um so i don't know i think i think self-releases are great um, yeah if it's a way to get in touch with other artists or people that's amazing yeah what what has changed for you in the past couple of years with your with your work and your noise because i've noticed in the past couple of years i would say maybe since 2020 roughly mm. there have been more releases on on labels and then larger labels, whereas beforehand you were doing most things under your own label, which is that pronounced yes? 
Yeah, yes, divulgation. Yeah, yes, divulgation. Um, that that was yeah. you know the handmade, very DIY, very intimate releases up until then, and then you know now you you you're working with quite a few bigger labels. How how does that change feel? Um, actually, it feels pretty nice because it means that things get out there, and I feel less stressed out about making packages and having to go to the post office and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, so it's like a weight that I'm, I don't have on, on me, you know, besides mm -hmm. making the music. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Like I can't thank say, uh, Vilo or Taylor or, or, um, um, Justin at Dogmatics in Outline, like, yeah. or even, yeah. Or the other labels, Antonio at Angst. I can't thank them enough. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, like these, these guys have a bigger like reach, they can reach out to more people. So like more people can hear about my stuff and then maybe they decide to go check the band camp. Although I stopped updating it because yeah. And, and just get in touch and yeah. you know, like if they get in touch and like, I saying, Hey, what do you have available? Uh, hey, I like your stuff. Can, can we trade? Can, yeah. And that's, that's the, that's the thing for me. That's what I mean to. Yeah. So the, the impact I think is, I mean, I was thinking about that just last night, just how special it is just even to be able to have an impact on 10 people or 20 people or 300 people or whatever, just with yeah. something that you do from your heart, because this stuff is, comes from us, but as a recipient, as an audience member, it means a lot also, mm. you know, noise music, in general, but you know, specific tapes or specific releases mm. can mean so much and make such an impact. Mm. I think that's, uh, I don't know, I've never really been that conscious of that element of it, but I think that's, that's super important. We're super lucky to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like three weeks ago, I think it was, two, yeah, three weeks ago, we, we played two gigs with Trois Divins, uh, in East of France, like first time in three and a half years we played together or something. And there was this girl who knows Olivier, so the singer in Trois Divins. And, and like he, he told me before, yeah, bring some tapes because there's a girl here. Like she's, she's, he said, she's a bit crazy, but she wants some, she wants some of your stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, um, I was like, okay, which was weird because like whenever I played before and I had some tapes, like pretty much no interest at all from anyone. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's okay. Like, uh, well, and Indeed, like we played that gig and this girl came like super nice and super enthusiastic about like what I was doing and I was like, yeah, I listened to that tape. I love that tape. Do you have it? Oh, you don't have it? Well, no worries. I'll make you a copy. I send it back later. Yeah. It's fine. But yeah, this one is great. I love that stuff. And I was like, whoa, like, yeah. you know, like, like I, I could tell like she really had listened to everything I had done and she knew like each release and could tell me what she liked better or yeah. less and and I was just I, that was mind blowing like I never had anything like that happen to yeah. me before and um and yeah that actually that actually made me rethink a bit about like say the Bandcamp stuff and what I was doing and like yeah the impact and difference it can have on someone because that's great and you just want to I just want to maybe make something that's even better than what she's heard in my opinion and and it pushes you to maybe 
I want to say work harder because to me it's not work. Work is annoying. This is not annoying. This is what mm-hmm. I would love to do. Yeah. So I want to just get even more into it and and do it, make it better and and make sure like you know like yeah, strive harder. And that's yeah. pretty cool. That's really motivating. Like I got like a bunch like a a spark of motivation from her. Like, that's amazing. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just that like just that thing that like those 10 minutes we chat and stuff that's like worth like the years i spent making music on my own here and yeah for sure that's the best that's the best for sure yeah um what what's one thing that you think people might misunderstand about you and your work um okay maybe yeah um say on a more local level because you know, like the people who know me, like my friends and people I know from going to punk gigs and also the experimental gigs here, they probably think like that my music is like Murzbaugh. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. think that I make noise, but noise is like super brutal, harsh noise and stuff, yeah. which isn't really my cup of tea. Although I do like like harsh noise, but yeah, they think it's just like full and blast of stuff. And I think that's maybe what they misunderstand because, you know, noise is like they have this particular idea of noise, but it's a bit misguided. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and how refined and, and actually musical it can be and, and, and yeah. composed and yeah and detailed and subdued also, not always harsh, yeah. not always loud. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, the thing for me what's very important is like whether i'm i'm like recording for violent children or my punk band or or like more rockish band you know like with proper instruments it's like when i make a song it goes from a to b but through mm-hmm. c d e and stuff like that, things happen you know um yeah. i i mean i i i grew up as i was saying like pink floyd and all that all those bands wrote like proper albums and yeah. proper songs you know and and that's that element of composition, sometimes it may not show, but to me, there's always something um, that goes that way. Like I, I, I try to think either in tape sites, you know, like say yeah. I write a tape site, or I write an album because yeah. I got lucky to have offers for CDs, like that right. come out, you know, and like say for a CD, it's like an album goes from A to B and stuff like that. Otherwise, it's tape sites. And to me, that's really important. As you say, like noise isn't just like a wall of, um, which can feel like it's not composed. Although I think, yeah, you can hear movement, you can hear things happening and and stuff building up and slowing down. And, but yeah, it's less easy to, I guess, decipher from, for the non-initiated. But I know that my music, which might be a bit more accessible to, the non noise head and say yeah full blast harsh noise like I don't know heat signature or stuff like that yeah um, well it's it's com- it's composed music yeah kind of for sure and it this is, is it, this it, might it, be misunderstood yeah it truly is and you know you you were kind enough to send me the the previews of your of your forthcoming albums which mm-hmm. I'll have you tell us about later but. They're very, very, very composed. It's very musical, mm-hmm. not in any sort of traditional Western sense, but but the 
the way that the, the music the sounds are flowing mm. and put together is very very it's not noise yeah. in the sense of just chaos of course you know it's a very very deliberate composition and i think that's, yeah that is true i've never thought that there are some you, you you know there are some artists which i think are more accessible to people who don't come from that kind of aggressive music background and i think gateways i think alter flies is a, is a perfect example you know mm. very yeah. thoughtful composed musical yeah experimental stuff but i think yours also definitely falls into that ca category that i think maybe within the Thanks. punk scene or within punk fans if people listen to it with the right ears you know mm. that they really can get out of it and it could be a good gateway yeah. for other people i don't know you yeah yeah you probably have you probably do with through your connections to um you know punk and a lot of people yeah that scene have the ability to also be the gateway for others yeah yeah um i don't know if i am the gateway or if some people like if hearing my music live for instance at punk gigs helped some people or made them want to check more stuff but i i know that say i remember the last time i played with fight and shogun i think um like it was in the basement and you know like pretty much no lights on just like a tiny bed bed lamp for me yeah and people were like sitting and listening you know mm -hmm. like truly listening as i was mm -hmm. like building something mm -hmm. and in the end they applauded and i was like awesome that's yeah. great it means that these guys who came for like grindcore bands before me and weird rock bands after me they were like yeah that's cool too that works that's fine yeah. it made some sense to them and maybe it made more sense than if i i came and just like you know made like brutal wall of noise like for 20 minutes in the face and they would yeah. they would be like yeah i don't understand it it's boring let's go Right. Um, you know, and maybe, yeah, as you say, it's maybe it's important to go through that stuff to be able to appreciate the less accessible part of like those underground scenes like noise industrial and, and, and power electronics. And yeah, can be for sure. At least at least that frame of reference. So when someone's like noise music and someone oh. like, oh, yeah, I think I saw it. I think I was at a show where some guy did some. <laughs> this guy with a bunch of stuff on a table made some really yeah. cool music something mm. for 20 minutes and i don't know what it was but mm. you know i think that was noise music you know yeah i don't know if that matters to have that connection but i think it's i think it is important to have that kind of just into the collective consciousness of yeah of people who enjoy music people appreciate music people who are involved in music it's yeah it's important to have that at least that sort of context or reference yeah so it's positive at least um mm -hmm. yeah in so in the balance of of life for you what role does working on noise and you know also corresponding with other noise artists and labels what role does that have in relation to your other you know life duties personal professional etc um making music be it noise or with more traditional instruments is like what i do to let it all go you know like say mm -hmm. like i i get very stressed out and very anxious about life in general and work and you know like all the it makes me 
get away from all the pressure of life, basically. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's why, like, I, I make music almost every day because, you mm -hmm. know, I go to work, like, I work full time, it's stressful. I come back home and, and do, like, you know, like, spend some time with my girlfriend and stuff and, yeah, regular life stuff. And then when I have, like, some time off or, or free time, I'll just make some music here. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'll just be, like, working on yeah on stuff here and my girlfriend is in the next room but we can see each other because the door yeah. is open and yeah. we can talk and yeah. and you know take some break and that's pretty cool it, yeah. we're, we're doing our stuff on our own but not totally as well and yeah. she's pretty un understanding about that yeah. so that's that's awesome so yeah music is super important for me like yeah um, it's my way of have like yeah um relaxing yeah yeah. What about the scene aspect of it? What What about uh, um, that communication with other fans, fanatics, other artists? Um, it's very interesting because, well, obviously what I like is, um, you know, like you chat with people and a few years later you end up, you end up meeting them somewhere, someplace, you don't know how. And it's it's nice. It's nice. Or... Also, you know, like, say, I think when you're in those underground scenes, you like discovering new stuff. There's like a constant search for new things mm -hmm. and exchanging or talking with people, whether artists or like people, yeah, fans, even if it's weird, but yeah, they're, they're, you can, you can talk about, yeah, have you heard this? Do you know that? Uh, oh, but what's your inference? Oh, I really like, oh, I never heard that. Oh, yeah. maybe I'll check it out. And that's the thing I really like, you know, like. You discover new things. You think it makes you think as well about what you're doing and what the scene is doing and what's happening there. You know, like the evolution yeah. of everything, and that's really important. It helps me. It helps me. Well, not stay isolated because I'm on my own here, like making music. Like all my bands and all my projects, when I'm when I play with other people, well, besides one, but they're all spread out in different cities. So mm -hmm. practicing is not always that easy mm -hmm. but um so it makes me stay in touch with the world basically yeah. yeah and and i guess i need that because obviously you can't know about everything that's happening all the time and i don't mind if i'm missing out on some stuff that i hear about like a few years later it's okay yeah. um, um but yeah it's 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 a good way to stay involved yeah, it's a good way to stay involved, and I think it's important because it's an underground scene, and and if you're not involved, the scene dies. So, yeah. like the people who aren't just consumers, they're really important. And as as an artist, um, it's really important to hear, but like to hear from them and to know they're here as well because they're the ones who make the scene go and yeah. allow it to exist. So. Do you think it's important to give something to the scene in order to receive something from from it? Um, I don't know, but I would say that what's interesting to me or it's to inspire people, but just by being yourself, sometimes you just do things because you do them, because that's you, that's your personality, but that's maybe your opinion about how things should be done. And yeah. And some people, sometimes they will ask you about it, 
or they will see you do those things and they'll just start thinking about why you do them or how and and that's where that's where change comes from you know like it starts like just one people one person and goes to like other people and spreads yeah. and that's and that's what's important to me and that's what matters to me sometimes like mm -hmm. well in the scene but giving not always you, you but um if you take at some point you have to give back i think yeah i don't know um but yeah that's inspiring people that's what what is interesting to me cool what's your biggest dislike or turnoff within the noise scene tryhards <laughs> um like i don't know like the noise scene is full of weirdos and people with special interests yeah um which i can understand like that's that's okay i don't have any issue with that but you can tell when someone is genuine about what they do or what they show to the world whether yeah. in personal or in their music for their releases and stuff and you can tell when people are trying too hard and yeah. it's just like you know like say it's all about the the, the form but not the content you know what yeah. i mean yeah. and i don't like that i don't like that too much yeah. like i can i can i can accept or deal with like say someone who makes maybe i don't know um whose content is nice but who well whose form is is okay with me but the music i don't like but the opposite i'm not too too into you know or like people say on the internet or even in real life just like you know like uh yeah trying too hard being very loud or like uh yeah yeah or like you know when you have very strong opinions but you can't back them yeah and or being judgmental i mean i can be very opinionated and i can and i have very radical opinions about a lot of things but there are ways of saying things and there are ways of showing them and there are ways of expressing things through through your words through your music through your mm -hmm. art and you know when it's too much yeah and yeah. I, I i don't like that that's what yeah. I, I dislike with the noise scene yeah i understand what what's one thing about the noise scene that is really positive really inspiring and really hopeful for you you know you've already uh, talked about a few but what's what's kind of what's the one thing like scene wise that really that you think uh, is a very good thing that people are curious well a lot of people are curious and um you know like say for instance as you were saying a lot of my releases sound completely different from a release to another uh, within the same project but some people won't shun them out and will still be able to enjoy them to a certain regard like because it's like it's part of a project and they'll be curious enough to tolerate that whereas yeah. i know that say for within the punk scene if it goes out of the the codes if it's yeah. if it, it doesn't fit within the square well i don't care yeah. it's uh, it sucks and yeah. so that 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 um the fact that you know listeners and artists and labels also um allow you to try new things and and not stay within a certain 
defined frame mm-hmm. is really cool. I think it's really yeah. interesting and it's great. And it allows surprises because otherwise, if you know that, say, an artist is always going to offer you the same release all the time, you buy one, two, three, and, and then you stop. And it's right. like the art, artist's death anyway. I don't want to make the same music all the time. I want my, my music to evolve. I want, it, I want it to be more focused, but I also yeah. want to offer something new after a while because even myself, I get bored of it, you know? Yeah. Like, I make stuff I want to hear. Like, like I listen to a lot of the stuff I make all the time. Like, half of the yeah. things I listen to is my own music because I like yeah. it. It's not, be- yeah. it's not an ego thing. It's just that I like yeah. it and I want, I want to hear those textures. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty picky about what I like and why I like it. And yeah. it just fits. And yeah. labels, they allow you to do everything you want or noise, uh, well, musically at least, and, and listeners as well. They're curious. That's really important. And that's very positive. Label, that's, that's very cool. Do you think, do you think labels should be um, sometimes more critical of, of uh, you know, this is just a, not related to your, your work, but it's in yeah. general. Do you think in general that noise labels are kind of a... Uh, blank check sometimes with um what they release or do you think they do you think they're critical enough when 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 receiving material um or do you think they should be do you think that's do you think that's appropriate i think i I think well this question um when you think about when you ask this you have to think about what a label what what a label is for and Mm -hmm. why why does this label exist in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are labels that release way too many things way too often. Like say, if you release like a, an eight, an eight, well, eight tapes each month uh, for like a year, that's yeah. that's not possible. You know, like there's bound to be some crap in the in the lot. You know, like some yeah. amazing stuff for sure. Yeah. But the quality control is a bit, you know. And on the other hand. You know that there are some labels who are pickier about what they release. Even if there's a lot of music being created, a lot of great music you know, out mm-hmm. there. I know there is. But if there are labels you trust just because you know it's such label. You know they have like yeah. some kind of particular sound that you like or you don't like. Mm-hmm. You know that if it's on this label, you probably enjoy it. And yeah, yeah and that's cool. But yeah, there are, I, think, I think labels should... Uh, sometimes say, okay, this is not good enough. You should, you should maybe you should try to work on this, or I won't yeah. do that. No, it's not good for me. So make yeah. something else. It happened to me, and that's great. I mean, constructive criticism is great. Just you have to, I mean, you know, you have to stay cordial and respectful about it. And right. but uh, that's I think I think it's mandatory actually, uh, because yeah. you don't want to any you don't, you also as a label don't want to like flood the, the distros and the mail orders with like releases that can't sell because they suck. Yeah. And or releases nobody can trade or nobody wants to trade for because they suck. It's like yeah. a waste of resources, a yeah. waste of the artist's time because you don't tell them that their music sucks. Whereas if you're a label, I assume that you have like a rather broad knowledge of of the scene you evolve in and yeah. the music that's being put out and what's rather good or rather not, you know? Yeah. And like as a label, you're not doing your job if you do those things. Right. What do you think the scene is going to look like in five years? What it's going to look like in five years? Um, 
hopefully not an internet scene only, like with just net releases and stuff, because to me that's not possible. I mean, either either it's going to like maybe not explode, but you know, like things are going to keep happening the way they do now with like lots of great releases, because mm -hmm. as a few have um, noticed and remarked and mentioned, um, like during COVID, actually like lots of great music was made and released yeah. Yeah. and I hope this kind of dynamic keeps you know like going for the next few years yeah. because that was great like there are so many amazing releases that yeah. come out all the time yeah but on the other hand I hope that you know like with all those um, problems with resources and and you know like getting yeah resources from one uh, one part of the world to the other and and problems with um, manufacturing stuff releases and stuff plans delay and everything I just yeah. hope that it won't and prices increasing as well I just hope it, yeah. it won't die or yeah. we won't go back to yeah uh, an internet thing only you know like band camps and I like physical releases I For not sure. everything has to be released but I like to be able to play a tape or play a record or yeah. it's important to me um, because as an artist if your music isn't playable in a f like in a physical shape it's like it never came out you know it mm -hmm. stays it, it can't be really spread because say if my hard drive dies everything mm -hmm. I ever recorded on my computer yeah. is gone Right. Uh, so, whereas if you have a tape, like a tape would last 40 years, you can still recycle tapes. I recycled tons of tapes. Sometimes yeah. some, some sound a bit weird, but most of them are still fine, you know? So, yeah. I think, yeah, I think labels could recycle tapes as well. Uh, you know, yeah, even yeah. if they have like unsold releases, for instance, say there, you, you released like a hundred tapes a few years ago and nobody cares. You ask the artist what they think about and maybe you can you know, like if you still have them, recycle them to put out something else instead, you know, and dub something else on it. I don't know. Yeah. I think I recycle tons of tapes. I always have like boxes of old tapes to make my own music and makes releases cheaper, I think, for everyone as well. That's true. That's a very, very important advantage of the tape format that I haven't really thought about that much, but you know, new new tapes are getting maybe harder and more expensive and will maybe eventually yeah. stop being made, but there's still a huge wealth of tapes from the past 40 years that are out yeah. there and they can actually be used quite well. Uh, Tommy Carlson has like a old, big... I mean, of course, you can dub over them, which is fine, but he has some yeah. real eraser machine Yeah, that's like some sort of crazy electronic magnet yeah. that you put a tape in there and it like completely wipes yeah. it out and basically makes it like a virgin fresh tape again as far as i understand which is pretty cool that's actually a good that's actually yeah. a, i i, I kind of have bias sometimes against um recycled tapes because i think oh they must sound so crappy or whatever or you know they Not have a different kind of like look sometimes they look kind of weird but it's actually a, a, a very cool thing to be able to I, I, use that I resource yeah, I mean, I understand that. Well, it's a personal thing, obviously, um, and the way you relate to like a release, and, and um, but and obviously, I didn't like uh, factor the the time you know spent making like dubbing tapes and everything. Yeah. If you recycle tape, it's 
more time spent dubbing on them. Yeah, right. all right. Uh, and that costs money. But yeah. um, personally, and that's the thing I do when I run out of covers for my own releases, when people ask them, you know, like, it's their own personal release. I like that stuff. I like yeah. that on an underground level, you can create a stronger connection with an artist that you can actually talk with. And also, you know that when they send you something, it's been made for you. You know, when you dub yeah. at will, for instance. I like that thing. I like that. If I send a tape that I made with a cover that, well, a tape that I dubbed with a cover that I made myself for someone, it's their tape. Nobody has has the same one. Yeah. You know, it's their, because usually I don't even make the same DIY covers. It's just like I grab whatever I have that I think yeah. looks cool and put them together and hand stamp them and, and stuff like that and make their um, handmade labels and all those yeah. things. And so every tape is different and it's more personal. And to yeah. me, that's very important. Yeah. Uh, that connection you create with an artist. Like we're all at, we are, we're at the same level here, you know? It's, right. I mean, that's how I see it anyway. And if anyone tells me they're not, well, yeah, no. <laughs> doesn't work for me. Can you please tell me your top five noise releases of all time? Top five noise releases of all time. I made a list. Hold on. I'm grabbing it. It's on my phone. Uh, I can say first, um, Dead Body Love, Emetic, the mm. tape, which is just like pretty much an hour of grinding whatever going on and changing in terms of textures. Mm. I'd say maybe I love textures more than I love noise itself, if that makes any sense. Sure. Um, and, and, and that tape is just like, it's brutal and it's really, yeah, it's really textured. You hear lots of things happening, you know, you can feel the physicality of the, mm -hmm. of the music and that I really love that. That's that it just blew my mind. Um, then there's like, uh, yeah, Ramley holding the heart. Mm -hmm. Really, really blew my mind the first time I heard it because of that kind of melodic aspect or mm -hmm. kind of sad. It's, it's sad industry or yeah. something. I don't know how to, yeah. or I don't know how to call it, but, and I, I thought that was amazing. The first time I heard it, yeah. Then there's like, I have a few things. There's that whole tape that oh. pretty much it I think it never came out officially wow. and but but um but there's a, like a release number from his label so and it's like it's hope but when I got it and it was it's taped from like five or six years ago um his music was getting a bit more active you know like his loops and stuff and I really enjoyed that uh, it was a change from the more like not quiet but um yeah got some movement and I was like yeah. man you can you can actually it's actually nice to play with tapes and and make they do crazy stuff instead of just listening to them yeah. spin you know yeah then there's like um this which is the first current warming tape oh yeah yeah uh, which like current warming blew my mind same like one side of like something like crushing loop or something really rough and and you know, just like, it never stops. And that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, nothing happens. It's just, you're just being like, ground into, yeah. I don't know, loop mush. I love that. Yeah. Um, then, 
this kind of well not especially this type but this artist Kusmiso from mm -hmm. Japan um, was related to Gero Gary Gegege at some point and he made like some like this tape is just like it's weird noise a bit psych psychedelic but mm -hmm. there are some tapes with like loops as well and it's just weird mm -hmm. and and it just made me understand that um, you could make weird noise and that it was okay actually uh, goofy stuff you know yeah like and this is something I got from my noise score friends with whom I trade a lot uh, from the US and and yeah and at the time it was like it opened my mind um, well this is like a tape from Josh Peterson um, yes. from his forward project yeah and this one is just like synth and radio noise mm. um, it's just like same raw synth raw radio noise not much happening but text very nice textures for me mm -hmm. uh, that's a lot of stuff uh Jakob and Hala blew yeah. my mind that's great obviously that's yeah. amazing and then I would like yeah I have to mention um Altar of Flies obviously because mm. first noise tape I bought ever and also like when it got into like the tape stuff so I really enjoyed um well that uh Rorelsen Rorelsen Melan Rumen album okay uh the one with like big picture with just like tape player or something cover or... on like a stage yeah yeah on the stage yeah. that one yeah, 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 yeah that one that one was really great but um i think it only got better from there but yeah. to me that was like um oh man yeah this can happen too this can exist and you can make music like that i but think like, that album say, was a was a turning point i think for yes the exactly exactly and that's when i like this artist that i really liked in the first place got even better yeah and i'm like man that's amazing yeah. yeah um do you want more stuff i have most more stuff that's a, you're already know. over your limit you're over five yeah okay 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 so <laughs> so me. so now so now tell me five things of the past year or or, or two that you're really yeah. excited about or really impressed with sorry that one oh yeah obviously yeah um, like Everything he did since that turning point we just mentioned is like at the top or at the peak so far from this kind of tape music and tape approach and yeah. being noisy and being, you know, like with the field recordings and loops and stuff. This blew yeah. my mind. Yeah. Um, and who, for whoever who, for whoever's uh, not watching is only listening, mm -hmm. he showed Alter Flies Otter Blitz. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the one which is behind you. Yeah. Which is behind me and which is yeah. still there's still about 20 copies available yeah everyone should buy it um there's that moss harvest tape that mm -hmm. chris gibson released on like recently on buried in slag and debris which is really cool it's a bit different from the more melodic stuff that moss harvest did mm -hmm. before which i love as well but that was a great release great approach um there's that tape, which is Amek Mai. Actually, it's oh. the one Vilo released like with, in the envelope, like yeah. the Steely tapes recently. This is like a preview version that I got in a trade for, with the guy. And cool. this one was, it blew my mind. It was just like, just low bro, dumb, simple noise, like yeah. the way I like it. Yeah. So like I heard it and I was like, that's amazing. Usually yeah. I'm not, I, I, 
I won't say I'm indifferent to a lot of stuff, but like when it comes to like harsher noise, yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, all right. But this yeah. one had the right textures for me, so I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, there's the, the Aprapat album you released mm -hmm. as well, Hot Tava Shampoo, because I love Aprapat, yep. and you know, when it comes to textures and stuff, um, that's great. Yeah, that's my thing. There's, okay, I have two more, sorry. There's that's that. Kulotus CD by Umpio. Oh, yeah. Umpio. Umpio, uh, Penti, like he's the master of, like with, I say, I think with Jakob and Hala, Penti is like the best at recording stuff and recording yeah. noise and making it sound like brutal and crisp at the same time. Like the, yeah. the, the clarity of the recordings while yeah. the music is super harsh is just incredible. Like that blows yeah. my mind every time. So this is perfect. And last, and also high fidelity. Yes, exactly. And like, how does one manage to get that 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 balance? Yeah. Um, it's like, that's something I'm trying to get to. That that's where I want to yeah. go. So, yeah. and last, but well, last yeah. Uh, that's the pain last pain nail CD um, on oh. yeah, which which I really like pain nail like. I yeah. say, I think for Droit Divin, actually, it's been one of my main influences. Like the, the last LP mm -hmm. they did, few, like many years ago, too many years ago, was amazing. And this album goes into the same direction of like power electronics, but very, lots of atmosphere and mm -hmm. very distant and stuff. And I really like that. It really sets a mood, you know? Yeah. And, and, and a mood that's great, that's something that's not so in your face as a lot of power electronics bands or albums so i like that i like atmospheres and yeah, yeah. great yeah now so you've sent me quite a bit of the new stuff you've got coming up and there's yeah. a lot yeah um which is why i'm you know i kind of that that question about you know how is it the past couple of years for you mm. how have things changed because it seems like there's a really lot of interest and building up for your projects and you're also finally getting them to some you know bigger labels that are going to distribute them quite widely so tell me what tell me what's going on and, and and some of the side products that we haven't talked about every single product of yours but so you know give us a chance to let let yeah. us know what's going on with other projects so there's a whole violent sugar split tape coming out soon on narcolepsia from portugal um, and this one has been a long time in the making. Actually, it's been recorded like two years ago. Um, uh, I recorded my part around the same time I recorded the, my part for the split with Afropat. Mm -hmm. So it's rather similar in sound and approach. Mm -hmm. So there's that, that one coming soon. Uh, then there's... Um, a Violent Shogun album that I recorded during the first lockdown and that's coming out on CD on Tordon Lud from mm -hmm. Sweden, now UK, well, Scotland, yeah. sorry. Uh, yeah. So um, that's coming out soon. There's, um, well, there's another album that's ready as well for a CD and Sata Tuhata, if everything goes right, uh, at some point later this year. Mm -hmm. um there's uh there's a lot of stuff there's a there's a cd from a project called mold uh which is jonas from ho and and i yeah. making tape noise through the mail uh, yeah. and it's coming out soon on sata to hata as well 
We just cool. approved the, the, the master and the art is done and should go to press at some point and coming out probably like, yeah, in a few, in a few months. Um, Which format would that be? Like a, like a vinyl? CD, a CD, no, CD. Oh, okay, CD, okay. Okay. yeah. yeah. And uh, what else did I forget? Uh, I think that's it. Uh, I don't think I forgot anything. What about oh, the yes, product? Uh... Yes, yeah. the, sorry, there's a tape, there's a Violent Sugar tape coming out on Angst as well very soon, um, cool. which is, at first it was supposed, well, when Antonio released the Hatif Natar tape, at first he was supposed yeah. to put out the Violent Sugar tape because that's what he was, that's what he got in touch with uh, in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But he decided to put the Hatif Natar tape first, which is fine, and now the yeah. Violent Sugar tape, uh, which is like a, yeah, it's 30-minute tape. It's coming out soon as well. It's in the works and it's done. And cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's it, I think. And what is the... Sorry, I can't pronounce it, but what's, what's the other product you mentioned? Hati... Hatif Natar. Uh, yeah. It's... It's another way to make, for me to make harsh noise, but, like, give it proper... But it's an excuse to make harsh noise. Okay. With... Cool. with but... Um, Kind of inspired by the Swedish stuff and the Finnish stuff as well. Like, I don't want to say it's rural harsh noise because it's not. I don't, like say when you when you reviewed like the Nuri Veri CD, it doesn't mm -hmm. have the same approach in sound. Although I know what rural is because I grew up in super rural countryside and yeah. and that but and that's something I try to to bring in in that project as well, uh, like the atmosphere. But it's, it's, yeah, it's mostly harsh noise. And there's a new album, tape album coming uh, soon on, on Ominous Recordings from Sweden. And I, I just finished it. So now I just have to make sure that Johan at Ominous likes the music and then we see for the art. Cool. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Lots going on. We're looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to mention or add before we wrap things up um no uh, not much um i hope like yeah actually yeah i want i want to tell people like the people who watch the interview and who are afraid of being involved to be involved and to not hesitate to talk with say artists or label or get in touch with everyone they've would like to hear about sometimes people are dicks but most of them they're not so in small like in an underground scene like the noise scene like most people will actually get back to you and and it can lead to cool stuff you know later on so it's important it can, leave your, it can, it can change your life yeah just not just don't be just a consumer just get involved and also um like, if anyone wants to trade like old noisecore tapes, South American noisecore tapes, or old Finnish stuff as well, Finnish noisecore, um, just or Japanese noisecore, hit me up. If you have good stuff, maybe we can manage to trade. I'm always looking cool. for that stuff. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay, Remy, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Learned thank a lot. You. Really appreciate it. Nice Likewise. to meet you and nice to talk to yeah. you. And uh, yeah. take care, and we'll keep in touch. You too. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Bye. Cheers. Bye.
Thanks a lot for tuning into White Centipede Noise podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash white centipede noise.